In this cold weather, I am digging the nice whatever 30 some odd degrees that it is right now. And I know it's supposed to get back up into the 70s. I'm okay with that, but good golly. It's about time we actually got some fall weather. Hey, welcome into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a Saturday morning here on Candace Talk. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. If you want to join into the program, we'd love to hear from you. We have a couple guests on the program today. Really looking forward to chatting with them as well. But it is open lines to you, and I really want to hear from you this morning. There's a, a couple major issues we need to talk about here on the program. Some serious conversation we have to have today. And we'll get to that here in just a minute. All of it presented by Phil's Coins. 9344 West Central Avenue, buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity for all your gold and silver needs. They are opening up in about 20 minutes from now uh, at 9344 West Central Avenue, also online at philscoins.com. We appreciate them partnering up with us here on Candace Talk and the KQAM Airwaves. Coming up, bottom of the hour, we have Patrick Penn, state representative. He'll be joining to talk about some legislation that we can work on at the statewide level for uh, against critical race theory. Yeah, so we are working on that. We are aware of it going on in Kansas, and we're going to do what we can to stop that. So State Representative Patrick Penn, he'll be in studio with us here in about 20 minutes at the bottom of the hour. Next hour, we have an interview that we did with Congressman Ron Estes from the 4th District right here in Kansas. We'll play that interview for you as well. Until then, though, open lines to you at 316-721-8255, and the lines are already lighting up. So uh, I want to get to you here. There are a couple things that I want to tease in a second is that I, I love the fact that I – I was about ready to come on air and get really angry and start going after a certain organization and certain organizations, and I was all prepared. I was doing my prep. I was getting ready to do so, and then I saw right, literally right as the headline or as the intro was coming on, I saw a headline that completely changed the dynamic of the conversation in a good way, in a good way. So we'll talk about that here in just a second. I don't have to go after them as much now, and that makes me very happy. So we'll talk about that here in just a second. Congress or uh, Senator Roger Marshall was in town just a few days ago talking about the vaccine mandates and how many individuals in the aviation industry may potentially be losing their jobs if they don't get the jab of the COVID-19 vaccine. So we'll get to that here in just a minute as well. But the lines are lit up, of course, and it's open lines to you. So I don't want to waste any of your time. Let's go right to the phones here, shall we? 316 Three one six seven two one. Talk line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Hello, Andrewski. It's Sean. Mr. Here. Sean, how are you, sir? Oh, great. I'm doing fantastic this morning. All right. But uh, I got some good news and I got some bad news. Okay. The good news is I used to be indecisive. The bad news is that now I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> ah, hey, that's a good way. You know what? That's a good way to start off today. You got to be indecisive, but you could be a little more. Dis- I don't know. So here's a fun story. My little daughter, she hates having to make choices. Absolutely hates having to make choices. Uh, and I, I think it's a Gemini thing for her. I don't know. That's what she supposedly is. But she uh, had a birthday party she was going to go to this weekend and then got invited to go to another friend's event this weekend as well. And she had to make the choice. Couldn't make it. Losing her mind almost in tears because she had to choose between one or the other and didn't know which one to do. She's going to be one of those indecisive girls that has no clue what she wants. She's going to be dating down the road and they're going to be like, hey, where do you want to take, where do you want to go for dinner? And she's going to like lose her mind on this guy. And I feel really, really bad for him already. Well, you know, I've uh, I've had times in my life where I've been indecisive on something. But, you know, I mean, I didn't wind up in tears over it I, but that's you know well women are different 
that's all about, they're more emotional than men so you know allegedly but, uh, i don't know i mean you he, talk to some of those new beta males today on the other side of the aisle you got you're talking a whole different conversation there well that is true yeah you, you, you know there's an exception to every rule <laughs> so it's the but, exception uh, that proves the rule i love it well man you know what i just saw a truck drive through the parking lot of brahm with uh with an f biden flag on it well, you know what? There's a few of those around here, and I will say, so I, if you're watching, if whoever may be watching the Facebook live feed, which we do have up at facebook.com slash 1480kqam, I am wearing my new, I got a birthday gift this week of a, a hat that says FJB. And yep. uh, yeah, okay. so yeah, so it's it fits along with that flag for those that are wondering, like, what's that stand for? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it fits with that same flag. So I, I, I appreciate that. And I'm wearing that this morning and I, I have to represent properly. I think that's the best way to go. That's only the second time I've seen one in several months. But uh, I also saw one. Uh, I also saw uh, a flag hanging off the house. Uh, over by uh by McLean by the river uh I don't want to say exactly where but uh but uh so I guess that's the third time then I've seen seen okay. one of them flags so anyway I got a question for you okay what you got uh, did you ever did you ever take your uh, poll on the um on your idea last week that we talked about uh the poll is still ongoing that's right. The poll is still oh. ongoing. So I, I have gotten a few responses from that. And, and for those that may not be may not remember what the poll was actually about, the poll was whether we would be OK increasing state taxes in order to try and be more dependent as a state as opposed to uh, depending on federal government money. So the poll is still ongoing. And right now, actually, surprisingly, we're right about even. Well, I'll tell you what, it's a good idea, but it wouldn't work. Yeah. And here's why, man. You know, I think I said something about this last week, but you would have to raise every tax there is at every level of the state, from the state to the local, every tax that's known to exist, you know. You might even have to create some new ones. Also, you'd have to raise fees, which means it would cost you more to uh, to uh, uh, renew your license tag, uh, your driver's license. It costs you more to get a hunting license. Yeah, no, it would be very uh, and you're you're absolutely right. It would be unreasonable in today's time because the, the there's not enough states that would be open to doing that to be able to cut the federal government's funding off, and we would still be paying federal tax because that's not going to go away, especially under the administration that we currently have right now. So it is unreasonable, but in a theoretical sense, if we could say, you know what, we're going to try and get rid of the federal taxes for Kansas residents because we're going to do all these programs at the statewide level, whether it's Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, whether it's uh, in environmental things whether it's the department of you know abc whatever they uh if we just say we're going to raise these taxes at the state level to do this so that way we are independent from the federal government for the most part uh we're going to cut the federal grants we're going to cut the federal spending we're going to cut x y and z out from the federal dependency and we're going to do this at the statewide level i think most people would be willing to do that but you're right. It's unreasonable right now just because of the fact that we would still be paying state, uh, federal taxes and there's not enough states that would do it to actually have an impact at the federal level. So you're right, Sean. I, I love it, my friend. I got some other calls I want to get to here, so I appreciate that. But I'm, I'm glad you reminded me about that because I wanted to touch on that today as well with that ongoing poll. Theoretically, would you be willing to raise your statewide taxes in order to 
have the state of Kansas be more independent and more sovereign instead of depending on federal government money. So, Sean, I love it, brother, and have a great weekend. Try and stay warm out there as well. I always appreciate that. 316-721-8255. Line number two. Good morning. Who's this? This is Frederick. Frederick, how are you, sir? I'm fine. You, uh, you know that uh, that hat you're wearing? Yes. Okay. Well, I did a little bit of research, and I know how to research radio stations. <laughs> there is a this, now this uh, this is fact. I I'm not pulling your leg or anyone else's leg. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, you can trust me on this one. Okay. Because I looked it up on uh, Radio Locator. If you know what Radio Lake Locator yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, in Marshalltown, Iowa. Talk twelve thirty. It's a one thousand watt station. They also have a ninety three point nine FM station. Hmm. And I looked up their programming, and it's very similar to yours, but it's not in competition with you because it's way up in the. Sure. Guess what their call letters are? K S J B. Seriously, that's not even a joke. I love it. I love it. And now, love the, it. now the big question is. Did they change the call letters over the last year, or has that been the call letters since the beginning of that radio station? That's my next question. Uh, I would say it's been there for quite a while. Uh, I don't have the uh, website up right now, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm certain it's been there for quite a while. But it was just by coincidence that uh, it's a talk radio station. But look it up, KFJB, Talk Radio 1230, Marshalltown, Iowa. You can look it up on Radio Locator, and it's a 1,000-watt station. And I, I just thought, my gosh. Now, Andy, you need them. You need to get them for one of your little— <laughs> I think we may have to reach out to that radio station and talk with them because that is— if, Now, if it is the uh, what they've been called for however long that they've been in existence as a radio station, then good for them. They just hit the, the jackpot, and especially being a talk station like we do— and having the content that they have, they fit perfectly into that. And I'm sure that they are loving what they're doing. If they've just recently changed it, I also say good for them because that is extremely appropriate right now, and they should ride that high as long as they possibly can. I don't think they recently changed it. But uh, anyway, Andy, it's uh, – oh, by the way, I, um, I I did wish you a happy birthday earlier, but I do yes, want to say you. happy birthday, young man. How, how old were you when you first went to uh, – uh, your station there. You're only about 26, weren't yours? I was. Or, uh, now I got to do some math. So I came into KQAM here back in August of 2015. So that would have been what six years ago. So that would have made I'm 33. So that would have been yeah, 26, 27 when I came here when I first started at, ah, uh, at you're KQAM. A young man. Yeah. Yes, and you. And I remember you always wanted to be older. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Well, it's really hard in talk radio because especially being in your 20s and starting off as a talk show host, people don't trust you. They're like, oh, you haven't experienced the world. I'm not going to listen to this young kid trying to tell me how the world of politics goes. And I've really had to try to establish myself and prove that I knew what I was talking about. And hopefully over the last six years, I've been able to do so. Uh, So now... As we grow, obviously gaining more experience both on radio and, you know, outside of this as well and doing more things. But I started the radio career in general even prior to that. I mean, we're going on close to nine years, ten years in radio altogether, uh, six years here at KQAM in Wichita. And, I mean, obviously the show's grown dramatically, exponentially compared to where we were before. We've had uh, a a lot more fun. We have the national show that's during the week now that's growing. We have this program on the weekend. So, yeah, it's been a lot of fun, and thank you for the birthday wishes. And it's 
it's only the beginning because we have so many things that we're doing that uh, I'm excited for what's going to happen over the next couple of years. Andy, you are really, really loved by people here in Wichita. We really, really appreciate you. And it's just wonderful that you're doing what you're doing. And young man, uh, you're not going to be young anymore. So, <laughs> hell, I'm 76. I'm almost 77. So, hey, Andy, enjoy it while you can because when you get to be about 76, you're going to, well, I'm still going strong. There's parts of me that don't work anymore, but that's life. Hey, you know what? That's life. That's right. No, I, I appreciate that, Frederick. It means a lot. And you know what? I'm I'm so glad that we've been able to work so hard in the community here that when things oh, break yeah. with the state legislature or with the state government or things happen here in the county or the city, that we're the go-to that people come to and say, Andy, we need to get on to talk about this because this is happening right now. So the fact that we're kind of that that source, that alternative source from the, the mainstream media that doesn't necessarily accept what's going on, that we're kind of that go-to, and uh, we're very prideful and I'm very honored to be kind of, quote-unquote, that guy uh, in the community to try and get that information out. So I appreciate that. Well, um, I, love your, uh, I love your programs during the week. I just don't know how you have time to contact all of these people, that you, <laughs> all of these guests. And the arranged everything, I mean, because I know you have other responsibilities at the radio station, and I think you have other responsibilities at some other radio stations. So, yeah. by God, young man, you must spend 24 I, hours a day. Uh, hey, you know <laughs> what? It's it, uh, it's it's close, too, but it's a lot of fun. And you know what? When you're having fun, it's not really work. And I'm in radio for crying out loud. And I, feel, I almost feel like I want to be busy and productive like these national guys, you know, like Brian Kilmeade that's doing a morning show uh, on TV, then a radio show, then interviews all day long and writing a book. And they're constantly doing stuff. And I feel like I'm at that level. And as I continue to grow, then we're going to be more busy like that. But it's fun and I love it. And I won't do I wouldn't be doing anything else. Andy, you take care, sir. And remember, uh, this old man loves you very much, and you just keep on trucking. Okay, buddy? Hey, well, we love you, and I appreciate that very much, Frederick. And I, I love being able to talk to you each week, and we've done that for years. So I appreciate that very much, my friend. And thank you for the birthday wishes. Appreciate that a lot. 316-721-8255. I tell you, it is, it is it's a crazy honor. I mean, when I came to Wichita... I was figuring, like, I'm just going to be this guy kind of in the corner, kind of just spouting out and doing my thing. And how much we've gotten involved with the community and with the state. And when uh, the, the head legislators in the state call up and say, Andy, this isn't public yet, but this is what's going on, then it, it's really honoring. And the fact that we can bring them on and, you know, I can text a lot of the legislators and have them on the program in the next week or so is is really cool. And we appreciate that. And uh, being able to emcee different events and hold different rallies and, and be able to speak at different events in the community. I'm actually headed down to, it sounds like here in the next couple of months, maybe heading down to the state of Oklahoma to speak to a Second Amendment organization down there, which is really awesome. And it's an honor to do so for that as well with the national stuff. So thank you for that and all the great messages and the birthday wishes. I got tons of them over the last couple of days. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love you all. You're all family. And uh, it truly does mean a lot. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, we got a lot to get to. Uh, Senator Roger Marshall here in town talking about the vaccines and some good news because I'm pleasantly surprised of what I was not anticipating to happen, but actually did happen here. So I got to give them a shout out where credit is due, and we'll do that when we come back here. It's Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Stay here. Five minutes past the hour. Welcome back into Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. 
Great to have you along for the ride today on a Saturday morning. <laughs> By the way, thanks again, um, Frederick. I did go to the website, KFJB out of Iowa. That's good. That's good. That's funny. <laughs> I wish they'd do a little bit more marketing on that front, though, too. I think that would do well for their station. Just uh, if I were there, that would be very entertaining. So nonetheless, that's that's a good one. I, they hit the jackpot. They hit the gold mine. For radio marketing in this time right now, especially being a news talk station, even helps them out even more. 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. You are right here, though, on 1480 AM and 1025 FM KQIM, the big talker here out of Wichita, Kansas, and uh, we're happy to be along with you. You can give us a call here. Patrick Penn, state representative, he'll be joining us here in just a few minutes. But first, there is uh, – now I have to admit, I am pleasantly surprised. I was almost really angry, and I was about to go off – uh, on this, I, I was doing all my show prep this morning, getting ready to be very angry. And then literally right as the intro was starting on the show, I saw a headline that changed the entire discussion. And here's what I mean. U.S. Senator Roger Marshall in town uh, throughout this week talking about the vaccine mandate and how this could potentially be affecting those working in the aviation industry. I know a lot of individuals personally that work in the aviation industry here, whether it's working for Spirit and building the planes, whether it's in the engineering departments, whether it's different side companies that are working with them as well. There's a lot of that that goes on here, obviously, us being the aviation capital of the country right here in Wichita. We should be very proud of that. But with the mandates coming down from the Biden administration that was mandating the vaccine of more than uh, for every company that has more than 100 employees uh, on their roster, that was going to be an issue. And I've been waiting to see what the aviation industry was going to do because there are a lot of individuals that don't want it or aren't going to get it. Or maybe they do, but it's a principle of a thing. Don't tell me what the hell to put in my body. I'm going to make that choice on my own. Nothing wrong with that. But that would shake up the entire aviation industry. Right now we have pilots that are walking away, and we have Southwest Airlines and their union, the pilots union, that's suing the federal government trying to get rid of that. We have nurses and doctors walking out of hospitals and getting fired right now. We just had a guest on the national program over the last week of firefighters out in Los Angeles that are walking away from their jobs because they're not going to get the vaccine, and that's causing some delayed response time, if there's a house on fire, of them not having enough staff to make that happen. So my question was here locally, the biggest union that we have are the teachers' union is the in the aviation union. And my question was going to be, where the hell are you? Representing the people, representing the workers, Where the hell are you fighting for their rights to say, no, you're not going to mandate this for these workers in the aviation industry because they have the right to choose what they want to do with their health? Let's find an alternative or just straight up noncompliance. Where the hell are you, unions? And I was I I had this whole thing laid out about ripping the unions because you know me, I'm not a union guy. I do not like workers' unions. I think that we have better rights on our own to be able to fight as opposed to having a union do it for us and making us pay a due in order to do that. Then I literally, as the show's starting, I see this headline from Cake News. Wichita Machinist Union stands against spirit Textron vaccine mandate for thousands of workers. As they came out for the International Association of Machinists and Aviation Workers, District Lodge Number 70 didn't agree with the COVID-19 vaccine of lose your job if you don't get the jab. So you know what? Kudos to you guys. I may not be a big fan of the unions, but you did the right thing in your standing. Now, I don't know how hard you're going to fight it. Hopefully, you're starting litigation, starting lawsuits, but you're standing up. And as many of the representatives on the union said that this just doesn't feel right and we can't do this and... In 21 different requests, the union's asking the companies to consider what they're stating. 
with their mandated vaccines. We'll talk about more about that later on in the show here as well. Bottom of the hour coming up, Patrick Penn, State Representative. He'll be joining us right after the break here as well. This is Kansas Talk here on KQAM. Listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Thanks for hanging out with us today. 316. Rocking it today. So, got a great guest in studio here. Get to him in just a second. Uh, Kansas Talk presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue, buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity. You can check them out. They're officially open right now until 2.30 this afternoon. You can also go online at philscoins.com. Buying, selling, and trading for all your gold and silver needs. He is truly like the only guy in the entire state of Kansas that actually has things in stock. With people concerned about the economy right now, they're stocking up on the gold and silver because, you know, like the federal dollar is totally backed by something, right? Yeah, yeah, there's that. So, uh, Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue, buying, selling, and trading. Check them out right now until 2.30, also online at philscoins.com. Again, uh, as we go into the fight against the mandated vaccine, the Wichita Machinist Machinist Union has uh, trying to finally start fighting against Spirit and Textron and the other companies that are going after it. Now, the question is, are those companies doing it because they're choosing to do so or are they are they doing it because the federal government's telling them they have to do so those are two completely different things i I mean to a degree uh if they're doing it on their own we have a serious leadership problem in spirit and these other companies if they're doing it because the government's telling them they have to do it then maybe they can partner up with the union actually work together for once and actually fight the federal government with some lawsuits and try and stop this shenanigans because this is ridiculous but let's take it to the next level As we mentioned, I was ready to go after them for the mandate because of how they're supposed to be fighting for the representation and the rights of the worker, and they're not doing so. These guys are. Here's the next question. Where the hell are the teachers' unions? I haven't heard the teachers' unions. In fact, the teachers' unions have been against us this entire time, forcing the vaccines, forcing the masks, because the teachers feel very uncomfortable going back into the school classroom. So where are we with that? Which kind of segues into the educational discussion that we need to have as the man himself in studio. It's been way too long since we've had him in. I think the last time we talked to him was during election time. So, I mean, one session under his belt. He's been killing it. He's been shaking things up a little bit. (laughs) State Representative Patrick Penn with us here. What's going on, brother? How you doing? Hey, Andy. What's good? What's good, Andy? Thank you guys so much for having us here today. It's so good to be back with you. It is great to talk to you. Now, you have – I did not realize um, how big of an issue – You've been fighting with this on how big of the uh, how big of an issue this was with the critical race theory. Now I've heard rumors that it's been trickling into the state of Kansas. We had some activist parents that have called in from the Johnson County Overland Park area okay. that have talked about the school board there not saying it was critical race theory, but slowly interjecting it as a new curriculum. And it was just oh, we didn't know that was in there, sort of thing. Yeah. So it's getting to Kansas, which is really mind-boggling to me. It's a major issue nationwide. You're man, you're going after this one. Yeah, we've been after it for quite a while. Thanks for that lead in right there, Andy. I tell you what, you have a lot of people up in the legislature who are uh, up in arms about this uh, that are really coming together to create and hopefully uh, get past some type of legislation that puts it on the map uh, so that we protect not only our Kansan kids in their minds, yeah. but also our industry, because this thing has some far reaching second and third order effects if you if you really want to get down into it. 
Uh, and I love what you said right there as far as the insidiousness of this particular. I had a good friend um, uh, describe it as an ideological uh, weapon yes. because it's something that's an idea that is weaponized against our kids. Uh, so this, this type of deal, uh, when we see this happening, it, it really gets your, your, your arms and your hands up because to say it in a word, and I, I don't want to put too fine a point on it, critical race theory is racism. It's institutionalized mm -hmm. racism being taught to our kids. It's ex acceptable racism to make people think of, oh, look at the identity here. Uh, I, look, and you know me, I, I despise the identity politics arguments. I'm so sick yeah. of them. It's the lowest common denominator of arguments of just the emotional, reactionary, stu uh, unintelligent yes. naiveness that is in the world. And if we're ever supposed to get past any type of division, that's not the way to do it is be like, hey, let's focus more on this issue to try and get rid of it. It doesn't make any sense to me. Well, man, that's that's why it doesn't make sense, because when you go back to it and you understand what critical race theory is, uh, you can't really find a book or a paragraph or anything that really defines it. So you have to put it back in their own words. Yeah. So I've been man, I've, I've gone down into the interwebs. And I now I need a bath <laughs> because I've you sunk your head into the sewers, bro. Yes. I, I've, yeah. I've gone down in there, and I'm telling you, uh, when you understand the 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 impetus or the, the 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 spot that critical race theory started off, I would like to explain it like this: the problem with it is is that it, it stems from a deep dissatisfaction mm -hmm. that some people had coming out of the civil rights movement with the values that came out of the civil rights era. Sure. Now that might be the values that the civil rights movement itself pushed. Or it might be ones that derive that derive from those values, but I will tell you, it's, it's two chief values. If you bear with me, number one, we're talking about. You've heard it said that we're a colorblind society. Sure. They hate colorblindness. They see that colorblindness is a way for us to not have the important discussions. It's a way for us to uh, diminish other people's culture, i.e., persons of color, so that a dominant culture uh, cu uh, culture can take forth. And, and, and what they call that is cultural genocide. They say mm -hmm. that that is a, a mirage because everything is so biased in race. Yeah. It is so racist, our entire society, that to say that you're going to be colorblind is actually a lie. So what they want to do is get away That's from that. That's their theory. That's yeah. their theory. This right. is what critical race theory is in their own words. Yeah. This is what they put forth. So I've been called that a lot. I, when I say I don't look at skin color, I don't care. And they're like, no, that's just you trying to cover up your racism. You just don't want to talk about the issues. Boom. So you've lived this. Oh, yeah. All right. Many cool. times. That's what I'm saying. And many of your listeners probably have as well all over Kansas, all over this nation. And this is the stuff that they're teaching your kids. Racial integrationism. That's the other uh, value that they do not like. So mm. coming out of, you remember this lady by the name of Kamala Harris? You ever heard of her? Oh yeah. yeah. You remember that she was that girl on the busing, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And and she was all up in arms against, uh, you know. Joe Biden, the before. guy she works for now. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. Well, that's what they're talking about. Racial integrationism, where you have the mixing of the races in society. They want to create race collectives that are separate away from it. And they get that from guys like Stokely Carmichael and Mike Malcolm X. So when you go forward, you see that they want to have that separatism. And what they want to do is replace, you know, colorblindness and racial integrationism with something called race consciousness. Mm. Every single piece of the world that you look through has to be uh, through the filter and the lens of racism. That's why, have you ever seen that Lego movie? I know you got some little yeah, kids, right? Yeah, Remember that cool song on it? Everything is racist. Everything is racist when you walk there. in the street. <laughs> it's actually everything is awesome, but that's my riff on it. Oh, well, hey, that, that works. <laughs> it's, it's true, though. It's so, true. And that's how they go. And, yeah. and, when they're, and when they're looking at it, Andy, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, it, it, it's, it, it diminishes everything that this country stands for. Right. It diminishes everything that Kansans have stood for ever since the inception of this state with bleeding Kansas. Listen, I'll put it to you like this. Critical race theory is so racist 
that Malcolm, um, that Martin Luther King is not good enough for them. Martin Luther King says that you're supposed to be judged not by the color of your skin, but by the content of your character. Yeah. These prophets of doom and gloom would say that that preacher, he's not woke enough. Wow. Uh, well, it fits right in line with the rest of the woke community on the other side of the aisle on every political aspect, doesn't it? I mean, Joe Biden, you're not far enough. AOC, I mean, you got to take things to the next level. You have to just shut down the economy for Green New Deal issues. I mean, it's you're, you're never woke enough, and now you have them fighting amongst themselves because now you have so segregated groups ideologically, even on their side, that they don't know how to get along. Right. And that's the whole thing, because when you understand and we can go through this whenever you want to, if you understand the rotten roots of critical theory yeah. and its grandchild, critical race theory, when you understand how rotten it is at the root, then you understand why it's so rotten at the fruit and why those who eat and sell and mm. hawk those wares of that fruit, you understand why they're at each other's throats, too. It's all about division. It's all about socialism. It's all divide about and conquer Marxism, dividing and conquering. That's what it's about. I tell you what, let's take an early break here real quick. When we come back, you have a presentation that you've put together with all the research that you've done, and we're going to hold you over to the next hour oh, as cool. well, because we have a lot to I want to get to. And for those that may not understand quite what's really going on with CTR coming into the schools with critical race theory being implemented to our children, even non that we don't even know about, if they're not even calling it critical race theory, how important this issue actually is. So we'll take an early break. We'll get to this when we come back here. If you want to chime in as well or have any questions, you can at 316-721-8255. 316-721 721 talk at state representative patrick penn rocking it here as we talk about some of the upcoming battles against critical race theory it's kansas talk on kqam welcome back into kansas talk feel it feel it come on Ten minutes at the top of the hour. Sitting here with State Representative Patrick Penn. Thanks for hanging out with us. 316-721-8255. By the way, uh, going into this critical race theory is kind of a setup for this. Before you get into your presentation, I have to ask. This new, this came out, what, about the last year or so with the focus on uh, equity and this new push on, at the federal level from equity. I don't understand. To me, that is probably one of the most racist things that we could be talking about is equity because I didn't realize that we could have the federal government decide how equitable and how valuable you actually are. Like if you're having a government entity label the value that you actually have for yourself based on your skin color or gender identification or whatever else that they want to do with the, these identity politics, how is that not like extremely offensive for someone to be like, oh, yeah, I have this amount of equity thanks to the government. Like this, this equity discussion is ridiculous to me. Well, that's the, the equity discussion is a is a is a correlation that they already have to the abortion discussion where they already assign mm. the value to black uh, babies and, and babies of color and those of lower socioeconomic stratification, you don't have as much value, therefore we're going to send you to the abortuary. This is why here in 2022 on the uh, uh, primary election ballot, you and your listeners have the ability to vote for the value them both constitutional amendment. Yes. It's something that I fought for. It's something that we have great compatriots in the Kansans, uh, 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 Kansans for Life organization. All across the spectrum, people are really standing up and saying, let's value both the mom and the child because we see the value in people intrinsically because God created them with value. And their value comes from the Lord, not from the government. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it doesn't have just a price tag on it there. I mean, we've gone from this uh, discussion of equality to now equity, and I've never understood that because they're trying to put just a value of people on there, and they're going for it. The other side's like, oh, yeah, I have equity. And it's like, that's great, but you have way more equity than what the government can give you. Yeah, you absolutely do because here's the deal. Um, if you put me and you on a basketball court against Shaquille O'Neal, <laughs> do we all have the same equity? Do we have the same value, the same Output at the end. Right. No, the guy's bigger than us. He breaks entire basketball rims <laughs> down. You remember that? So oh, yeah. all I'm saying is, you know, I mean, uh, basketball looks like a basketball in my hand. It looks like a, I don't know, hot water balloon in his. But at the end of the day, on the front end, we are all about equal opportunity yeah. or the, the 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 equality of opportunities, I should say. Yeah. Uh, where you have your God-given talent, merit, grit. You put it. You put it all on the line. And as you apply yourself with what God has given you, what you glean and learn from others around you, then you get your outcomes. The only thing that's guaranteed is that you have an opportunity here in America to get after it. Yeah. There is no guarantee on the back end of the results, which is equity. So if you mean to tell me that everybody out here pushing for equity, mm -hmm. if they're going to come up off of their paychecks and disperse and dole it out amongst everybody so we all have the same amount of their paycheck, I'll sit right here and yeah. wait for that to happen. I don't think Oprah's going to do it. I don't think uh, Jamil Hill or Stephen A. Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders, AOC. Yeah. It's kind of funny. They're, they're feathering their nest pretty well, but they're not sharing it with anybody else to give them that equity. Yeah. Yeah, shocker how that works, right? Yeah, I love that. Let's jump into this this uh, presentation that you have. You've worked a really hard on creating, and I mean, you were showing me some of the names and some of the people that have influenced this critical race theory to get it to the point that it is today. And I have to admit, I have not heard of a lot of these individuals. I've not heard of a lot of the stuff that you're about to present. So this is going to be mind-blowing for a lot of individuals. Amen. Well, thank you for that right there. Uh, first, I want to bring up the simple fact of the matter is that there, there is a problem that we have out here trying to understand, Andy, what is the definition of critical race theory? And as I alluded to before, you have to go down a pretty extensive rabbit hole to get your mind and your arms around it. Uh, the bottom line up front, as we discussed in, uh, in the first piece right there, is that these are people who want to look at the world through a racial lens because they have a dissatisfaction with everything that came out of the civil rights movement. They want to get back to the things of um, racial collectivism, uh, where you have, in, uh, you know, parts of society that are standalone and don't have to interact with any other parts of society based on race, that they have their own banks, they have their own infrastructure, they have their own, you know, laws and everything like that. The other side of it is, is that they don't want to have cultural genocide, so they don't want to get away from the whole con concept of, uh, of having colorblindness, mm -hmm. where colorblindness is kind of defined as you don't create a law with respect to someone's color so that it impacts them either adversely or, uh, or promotes them. The same way you don't, when you're colorblind, interact in your day-to-day -day, uh, interactions with human beings on basis of their color either. You neither promote them or discriminate against them in that fashion. Well, what they say is, is that that is a, a logical fallacy. That's a great Shangri-La idea, but it's not reality. Reality is everything is so immersed and interspersed with racism that uh, we got to tear it all down. And wow. when we tear it all down from the ashes, we redesign yes. and raise up another superstructure after our image and after our likeness that we like, yeah. and we're in control of that. Their version of the Phoenix. There you are. Yeah.
bring it down to the ash and rebuild from the birth of, again, resegregation, the Jim Crow laws, the, the segregation, the identity politics, where a world is based on that, which is a, I mean, to even fathom that just boggles my mind that, that someone actually wants. But again, that's the superiority that they feel, whether it's the, the I don't know, the Illuminati, New World Order, the deep state, the elitist, whatever you want to call them, that's the dream world that they actually have. And they can and they can have that dream world, but the reality that we live in is that we are a nation of laws. <laughs> we are people who are endowed by our creator with certain inalienable rights, among of which of these is the ability to think and reason for ourselves, which is why I'm so happy to be on the voice of reason. Yeah, you know it. Yeah, you get some. So, yeah, man, um, grasping smoke is what I call that first slide. How do you get after it? Well, there are books that are published by them. There's books out there called The Critical Race Theory. And if anybody wants to learn about it and stuff, just reach out to me, pat at patrickpin.com, and I'll send you the list of all of the ones that I'm talking about. Uh, but there's a whole host of books, Critical Race Theory, uh, Ibram X. Kendi, How to Be Anti-Racist, uh, Words That Wound, The Frankfurt School, written by uh, a guy uh, who, who led the Frankfurt School. We'll get into him in a second. And then my personal favorite, the 1619 Project. Mm, that's a huge one. We got just about two or three minutes before we have to go to our hard top of the hour break here. So give us a little tease here. Going back and doing your research, philosophy, the philosophers all the way back when, the ones, the, the, the Europeans or wherever it was that were the philosophers that crafted the way that we think of society today. How yeah. far back does this mindset go for critical race theory? I went all the way back uh, before uh, the 1800s, back into the 1700s with a guy named uh, George Wilhelm Friedrich. Uh, Hegel, I believe I said that right. George Wilhelm Friedrich Hegel. There we are. He says that we learn from history that we do not learn from history. He came up with something called the Hegelian dialectic, and then we went forward into his protege, his student, a guy named Karl Marx. Mm. And once uh, you understand a little bit about Karl Marx, you understand where they're going with this whole thing. Karl Marx had a guy under him named Antonio Gramsci in Italy, and uh, from him, his acolytes included a guy named Adorno, Marcusa, Herbert Marcusa, and uh, my personal favorite, uh, Max Horkheimer, who created something called the Frankfurt School. And we'll talk about how that came over to America and why it infiltrated America. So this goes back a ways, even like you said, so the really the teacher of Karl Marx yep. really started a lot of this. Yeah. I'm noticing a trend with the Italians, and I love Italians. I have a lot of Italian friends. I really, really want to go to Italy. I've noticed that their mindset, though, their ideology was so different, though, than the rest of Europe in many aspects because they really flourished and loved the, the communist fascist mentality over there of having superiors dominate other individuals. And they've stuck with that for a long time. I mean, Mussolini, you think like, wow, he was kind of a random you know guy there. That's the mindset that a That's lot of people have had there in Italy, wasn't it? Yeah. And you have to understand that, you know, even going back for Mussolini, he just operationalized or made something material yeah. that Hegel started off with. Something called the Hegelian dialectic. The now, dialectic. what is that? So the Hegelian dialectic is how Hegel said that change occurs. He says that you have a thesis and an antithesis or an antithesis. Okay. Those two come into conflict together and they create a synthesis. That synthesis becomes your new start point. So think of it of how do you get from a bucket of white paint to a bucket of black paint? You mm. do it by adding a little drop of black in, mixing it together, and that new bucket becomes your new start off. You never go back to where you were. Yeah. Okay. So the next week that you start uh, either your negotiations or painting or mixing your paint, you start from where you just ended. That is your new thesis. So now you have another conflict with the next antithesis or Drop antithesis. a couple more in there and start off with a new... And before you know it, 
you're all the way over there. Yeah, you are. You can't do it. I mean, that really falls in line with exactly what FDR tried to promote back during World War One, the Great New Deal, the progressive movement that he wanted was while the politician leaves. Did if you say Green just, New Deal? That's uh, well, I guess that's close <laughs> to what today is the Great New Deal. Then, uh, yeah, it's same damn thing, just a different flavor of the day there. But uh, I mean, he's that's what FDR said was that even when the politician leaves, if we have the administrative state in place that continues on the agenda, then while we leave, we continue to do the same thing, promote the same agenda. We incrementalize, and while we don't get everything we want, we win by 10 20%. We start at that new base. Government doesn't downsize once you give it that power, and you continue to grow from there. Perfect. What That's a crazy exactly t- concept. We'll take a break. When we come back, hour number two, we'll continue this conversation. Where do we go? We'll continue with some of these histories leading up to critical race theory, and how do we stop this stuff from today? It's State Representative Patrick Penn rocking it today here on Candace Talk here on the Big Talker KQAM. When we come back as well, we'd love to hear from you. We have Congressman Ron Estes at the bottom of the next hour as well. We've got our update with the AARP as well. Crazy show today. It's what we're all about here on a Saturday morning, trying to get you up and moving. It's Candace Talk on KQAM. Stay here. is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome back into Kansas Talk. It's hour number two of Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 102.5 FM KQAM. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a Saturday morning. We are killing it with a lot of information. We're going to make your brain hurt first thing on a Saturday. That's what we do. That's what we do. That's what we do. At least I just get them angry. You at least inform them a little oh, bit. You know, man, <laughs> you're too kind. You're too kind. State Representative Patrick Penn here in studio here for another segment. We have Congressman Ron Estes. We have an interview we did with him just a few days ago. We'll play that at the bottom of the hour. Plus at uh, 1020, we'll have our update with the AARP as well. So we have a lot to get to this hour. If you want to call in, you're more than welcome to do so. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK right now. We're talking critical race theory, and you've talked about how far back this idea goes, the superiority, this elitist mindset. I am superior to you, and therefore we're going to find a system that makes you fight against and amongst each other, which is a wild concept because for us, just wanting to live our lives, we we don't want to be played like pawns. We don't want to be manipulated. We don't want to hate our neighbor. We just want to do our thing, man, yeah. and just and just live our life. This goes back a long time. Now, where and when does the 1619 Project come into play? And all of the, I guess, the organizers of this mindset leading up from Karl Marx and beyond. I mean, how does this all fall into place? Well, let's give it back to you. Thanks for that right there, Uh, Andy. I appreciate it. We're talking about uh, a guy named George Hegel. Hegel came up with something called the Hegelian dialectic. To recap, you create a thesis and an antithesis or antithesis. You have those two in conflict with with each other. It creates a new synthesis. That new synthesis becomes your jump off point for any future discussions. And that iteration or iterative process continues down the line until you get to where uh, the, the determined destination will be. So here in America, we see that this is becoming leftism, socialism. That's what we're doing here. So Hegel had a a disciple or student named Karl Marx. Karl Marx had a quote, if you keep the people from their history, they are more easily controlled. He also had some other gems. So when you see your kids walking around with a Karl Marx t-shirt or something on their book bag, a little patch, here's what you're talking about. The unity is brought about by force. Karl Mm -hmm. Marx said this, okay? The unity is brought about by force. 
So I think about, you know, our current administration that's forcing people to be united, even though they don't have bodily autonomy to determine yeah. what it is that they want to put inside their bodies. What a concept. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. My object in life, here's another one from Karl Marx. My li- object in life is to dethrone God and destroy capitalism. He says that the first requisite for the happiness of the people is the abolition of religion. Karl Marx also said that the communists everywhere support every revolutionary movement against the existing social and political order of things, the existing social and political order of things. They openly declare that their ends can be attained only by the forcible overthrow of all existing social conditions. So if your listeners take back their minds to the hot summer of 2020, where we had the world on fire (laughs) and streets getting painted for Black Lives Matter, Antifa, you know, even prior to that, shutting down entire universities and conservative speakers, here's what we're talking about. This stuff goes way back. It's not new. There's Sounds nothing... like he was a bullied kid who was just bitter and angry at the world. His mom had to hang a pork chop around his neck to get the dog <laughs> to play with him. I mean, the theory of communism may be summed up in one sentence. Abolish all private property. Sounds familiar. Does that sound familiar? We have a city council member in the city of Denver that says that no one should have the right to any private property of their homes within city limits. <laughs> right now. <laughs> Are they giving up their home? Uh, not so far. I didn't not think so far. So. All no. right. Yeah, it's always like that, right? Do for thee, not for me. Uh, the meaning of peace is the absence of opposition to socialism. The only way that you're going to have peace is if you lay down for what I'm bringing. Mm. Speaking of what they're bringing, we have no compassion. This is Karl Marx speaking. We have no compassion and we ask no compassion from you. When our turn comes, we shall not make excuses for the terror. They don't care. And here's one. Uh, the last capitalist that we hang shall be the one who sold us the rope. Now, while some of your viewers and listeners may be saying, okay, I'm very, very glad that, you know, he's entering into the capitalist space by buying a rope. Let's listen to that one more time. The last capitalist that we hang shall be the one who sold us the rope. He also says, take away a nation's heritage and they are more easily persuaded. And if you can cut the people off from their history, then they can be more easily persuaded. That goes back to what you were asking about the 1619 Project, right? Yeah. Uh, If you take away the history, people's common understanding of what the history is, they're more easily persuaded on the stupid that socialism and Marxism, cultural Marxism uh, offers. So uh, just a blanket of all of them, doesn't it? I mean, we say, you know, every founding father was a racist landowner. You know, they didn't like other people, yada, yada, yada. So therefore, we shouldn't listen to anything they say. Therefore, no pride for country being the union of the country. Uh Uh, They talk about the division. They rewrite the history books to where we don't understand the history Uh being doomed to repeat. I mean, this covers the whole blanket of everything. Well, I'm okay with 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 history being taught in our schools, the whole history. Yeah, I want I want the ugly warts and all. Absolutely. But if you go back and actually understand history, Jim, um, uh, David Barton and, and, and his team, they do a great job of this. And they talk about how there was one president of uh, Princeton University by the name of uh, Woodrow Wilson. Mm. Yeah, Woodrow Wilson. Interesting. Yeah, Uh, Woodrow Wilson, before he became the president of the United States, wrote a book based off of Darwin and the origin of species. And yeah, exactly, where he basically said that black folks don't have any right to be in our history books, so he wrote them out of American history. And when he did that, uh, up until that point, American history was replete 
with all sorts of folk who contributed to the American Revolution prior to that point, yeah. all the way up into including, Huge. you know, uh, World War One. Yeah. And this this place was, you know, built on the backs of all Americans, not just black Americans, not just white Americans. We are a collective who are working together to form a more perfect union. Exactly. We have never achieved, as the scripture says, this thing we We're we never can, going we to achieve. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. We, we don't count ourselves to have. Uh, apprehended, but this thing we do, we press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. So when you understand that's what happened, and then you see the same president, you know, march yeah. down, you know, Pennsylvania Ave with, with the Klan and, you know, <laughs> run the first silent movie in the White House, which exactly. is Birth of a Nation, now you understand some things. Right. So I want to teach the whole history so that people actually understand how rotten these people are at their core. Do not let them whitewash their history. Yeah. Expose it all. Because then you'll understand why they have this sudden agenda after you. Just getting back to it. Karl Marx said all those types of things. His protege, an Italian Marxist named Antonio Gramsci, says that the old world is dying and the new world struggles to be born. But now is the time of the monsters. Hmm. What he's talking about is as we come out of the old design, as what, what his uh, predecessor said, now we struggle to bring forward what our new order is going to be and we have to be monsters about it. No compassion, no feeling. The ends justifies the means. Right. He also says that socialism, this is Gramsci speaking, socialism is precisely the religion that must overwhelm Christianity. In the new order, socialism will triumph by first capturing the culture, listen to this, via infiltration of schools, infiltration of universities, infiltration of churches, and infiltration of the media by transforming the consciousness of society. So when you want to understand what are the roots of critical theory, it starts with Hegelian dialectic, which Karl Marx says is conflict theory, and he created socialism out of that, where you have the, the conflict between the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. And they were wondering why in the world didn't, you know, economic um, socialism uh, pop off around the world. It, they tried to do it with the Bolshevik Revolution, but you see how far that got Lenin in them. So Gramsci tried to answer that question. He said, hey, look, the problem is, is that Think of like a Venn diagram, and here's a circle. And inside this circle, I want you to put white and male and Christian and heterosexual and landowning and college educated and whatever else it means that to be powerful. Yeah. This is what they put in there, and that's called the hegemony, right? And what they say is everybody else who's outside of that circle is the victimized, and these guys inside, they are the oppressors and the victimizers. So what they are on a mission to do is tear down every single piece that's inside that circle. And that's why you see the time of the monsters in their mind coming to um, coming to fruition right now. Wow. It takes us to a whole another level for understanding here. We got just about three or four minutes left, but let's fast forward to this time now. Check. With this being promoted and right. this being in our system. What needs to be done about this? How do we try to weed through the history of what they're trying to teach and what they're trying to do to make sure this isn't being promoted? And what can the average parent and, uh, and mom and dad do on this? I'm so glad that you asked that question, Andy. That is a, that is a tremendous question because here's the problem. The, the, the schools uh, that we have here in America have one job to do, and that is to teach our kids not only how to be better citizens, but also how to read, write, and do math. Yeah. They are not here to be indoctrination camps to fulfill this leftism, socialism, cultural Marxism dream that came down through uh, the Frankfurt School all the way down to and including Harvard University where we have Derek Bell come up with critical race theory and his protégés, Barack Obama, I'm sorry, he is, uh, and then his other <laughs> How protégé. How dare you? Yes, exactly. <laughs> and his other protégé by the name of uh, uh, Kimberly Crenshaw come mm -hmm. up with intersectionality. 
as I was discussing the Venn diagram before, the intersectionality becomes all the points that intersect to make you a victim. You get more gold medals in the woke Olympics the more intersection points you have as a victim. Sure. Uh, so what do we have to do to fight back and push against this thing? Well, the one thing that the schools uh, or the school boards, I should say, that they hate more than anything, well, first of all, they hate transparency, they hate accountability, and they hate competition. Okay? Yeah. So we know that right now. But what they really, really hate, as you've seen across the nation right now, are parents who are informed and involved. And how do you get involved? You do it through the process and the procedure, uh, uh, the policy rather. So the process of the procedure and the policy. Now, how can you get involved with the, with the policy? You know, let's talk about some of the things that you think anti-CRT or anti-critical theory or anti-divisive concept legislation should have in it and engage your elected officials, and not only your elected officials, engage other ones so that you give them the spine to vote for this legislation to protect your kids, to protect your tax dollars. Uh, I'm working with a great team of folks right now uh, in both houses of the Kansas legislature. Uh, we've uh, proposed a couple of things and ideas. We're getting feedback from the community right now, and I'm telling you, we got some drafts on the table, and we're not there yet, uh, but by the time we get back to session, we're going to have something that uh, is going to be exactly what the people are ordering up and uh, something that we can get past and get past a governor who is, you know, a rubber stamp for Joe Biden on this topic. Especially this topic. Yeah. yeah. Laura Kelly is just Joe Biden's rubber stamp on institutionalized racism. Sure. Uh, and I say that fully as a black man. The problem that I have with it is that CRT says that your kids and you, because you are white and a male. Glow in the dark. You are. <laughs> you are automatically and incessantly racist and sexist. Yeah. And you cannot stop from being a victimizer. Same by the same token, my kids, you know, are automatically not up to par, not up to snuff, can't do right. So basically what you're doing is you're setting apart these kids in Kansas where we had Brown versus Topeka. I was going to say, we're, we're the trendsetters here. Bro, we already answered the mail on this. Right. So let's, let's, let's keep up the fight. So here's the deal. At the end of the day, I don't think that a piece of one single red cent of taxpayer dollars should be spent on critical race theory. It shouldn't be anywhere in K-12 education, post-secondary education, the National Guard, any government entities, any contractors that work with the government, uh, any municipalities or cities where you're trying to reimagine policing or anything like that. Uh, and we just really have to work through this thing and go ahead and make it happen. I have some books. I have some stuff out here that I'm uh, speaking on. Uh, I commend uh, to your listeners uh, a book by Vody T. Bauckham. He's a pastor. He created a book called Fault Lines. If you really want to get a good understanding, go there first. And uh, Dr. Carol Swain has one out with Christopher Shore called Black Eye for America, How Critical Race Theory is Burning Down the House. And, uh, you know, engage us. Go to PatrickPenn.com, leave me a note, shoot me an email, and let me know what your thoughts are, and we'll get this out to the team. I feel like we could do like a four-hour Joe Rogan-style podcast on this issue with how much information you have. So, dude, I love it, and I appreciate it because this is really good. It's really important, and I think parents need to be – like you said, I think we're more engaged now than we've ever been before, and that's a good thing. So if we have the knowledge, the tools, and the resources, now we can go to the battlefield and fight this. Oh, absolutely. Speaking of the battlefield, if I may, Andy, one thing. We have a president of the United States who has turned the full measure – of the Department of Justice and FBI against parents going out to their school boards because they care about their kids and their kids' emotional and mental well-being. Right. The problem that I have with that is that I served in the military for over 20 years, and I know what terrorists look like. 
And for them to say that you are a domestic terrorist because you give a rip about your kids and their future, that is antithetical to everything that I took an oath in uniform to swear to uphold and defend for our national constitution, as well as what I've done as a, as a sitting representative here for the Kansas Constitution. You all are not domestic terrorists. Hear me when I say you are the solution. You have a voice. You have power. Stand up and use it. It is no longer the time to cajole and ameliorate to the sheep. It is time to wake the other lions. Stand up. Be recognized. Be heard. We're here for you. Couldn't have said it better, my friend. I love you. It's always good to talk to you, dude. we got to get you back in the studio again here real soon. Cool. Anytime. Hey, we got to do it again. State Representative Patrick Penn, we appreciate that very much. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll get an update from the AARP. We'll do Congressman Ron Estes' interview at the bottom of the hour. Plus, we have some calls on the line as well. We'll get to you here shortly as well. It's Candace Talk here on KQAM. Whether it's the Fraud Watch Network, Retirement Calculator, getting involved in the community, make sure to check them out online at aarp.org slash ks for the state of Kansas. You can also find them on their social media as well with the AARP. It's another time that we sit down with Mary on the line with us. Mary, how are you today? I'm great, Andy. How are you? Doing great. It's great to talk to you again. It is fall time, the trifecta of the holidays right around the corner. We've talked about some of the scams for a holiday season, which we'll talk about again here again shortly. But we also need to remind individuals that it's the end of the year, which means it's time for enrollment for health care options, for Medicare and Medicaid that's open enrollment. And you guys are trying to help out veterans across the state of Kansas and in the Wichita area for veterans' health care options that they may not even know about. Exactly. And we are so excited. You know, we, we, we do a lot of outreach to veterans, not only in Kansas, but across the country. And we have heard the frustration from them about not knowing where to go to access health insurance benefits. And in Kansas, we have over 210,000 veterans living here. And so we wanted to make sure they know how to access those health care benefits that they've, they're entitled to. And we're very excited. Um, on October 12th, we released a new tool um, for veterans, and it, it brings together information and resources to help not only veterans, but military families and their caregivers navigate what their health care options are. Now talk about some of those options because you'd think that, I mean, whether it's through the veterans organizations, I mean, that obviously they have some health care options too, but there are so many different options to make sure that they have the right plan for them. Exactly. So uh, they can go through the VA, the Veterans Administration Healthcare. They might go through military TRICARE. They might go through Medicare. They may use private insurance or Medicaid. And so there's so many different places to be. So what this tool does is it brings those resources all together and it helps families and veterans decide, you know, where they need to go to get the health care benefits that would apply to them. So it's a free one-stop resource and will help make that process less confusing and less overwhelming for veterans and their families. Oh, I love it. Now, do you guys help not just finding the resources, but also helping them get signed up if they have trouble filling out the paperwork, getting all the different things that they need to show proof to get signed up? I mean, is that an assistance as well that you guys have? Right. We can help them with all, all that kind of information that they need. You know, we can actually process, you know, applications, but we direct them and we tell them, you know, help them with what kinds of information they need. Um, and, you know, it's really important now more than ever because, um, you know, we've had 340,000 veterans across the, across the country 
who've been diagnosed with COVID-19, and the VA medical centers have reported about 15,000 deaths from the disease. So um, we know that, you know, of the 200,000-plus veterans living in Kansas, that about um, 30% of those have utilized their Veterans Administration health care, whereas we also know that about 60, 60% are eligible. So we've only had about half the people half the veterans who are eligible for benefits apply. And, and a lot of it's just because of frustration. You know, they, they, it, it, you know there's so many ways to access that, and, and it gets frustrating determining which one is the right one for you. So sure. that's why this, this resource tool um, is so important, and we're so excited that, that um, it, it's out there and it's available for veterans to use. Yeah, that is a really great program for sure. Because I, I mean, myself, I get confused and frustrated with a lot of government paperwork and different signing ups of uh, certain programs that you may or may not need. And I know everybody does. You said it's already open. You guys released it this week as well. How can people access that on your website? Right. It became open on October the 12th. So from now on, and here's how to get to it. You go to www.aarp.org slash Vets Health Navigator. That's V-E-T-S-H-E-A-L-T-H-N-A-V-I-G-A-T-O-R. Vets Health Navigator. Now, if you forget that and you just go to aarp.org and put in veterans slash veterans, you will find a way to get to it. So um, there's a way to get to it easily, but it is under Vets Health Navigator because that's what it does. It helps them navigate the resources and information about health care benefits. I love it. Giving them all the resources you can. We got just about a minute or so left here. What else is going on with the AARP? We are getting close to Halloween time. Any fun virtual things for the Halloween season or some more movies for grown-ups? What else you got going on? Um, we have so many things going on, and, and there's just so many of them that, that I'm going to tell people. Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier. Welcome back into the program. Thanks for hanging out with us today here on a Saturday for Kansas Talk. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. Why, I tell you what, hopefully your brain broke this morning as we talked to State Representative Patrick Penn. Great stuff there. And uh, one thing I want to talk about real quickly before we kind of shift gears here is with how important this issue is, and he wanted to make sure that we relay the message on because we didn't get a chance to talk about it with him in studio, that covid COVID stimulus money that's been going out all over the country and the COVID stimulus money that's gone to the school districts all over the nation, including here at USD 259 and all the surrounding school districts around here and all the state of Kansas, all of them have the vast majority of that money coming in for COVID-19, quote unquote, stimulus money to try and help fight the COVID stuff and try and get try and get uh, sanitation equipment, whatever else. A lot of it is to try and include critical race theory how they try to try the two together not quite sure how they did but uh when it comes to emotional support they're using the argument of emotional support 
uh, what is it, emotional support programs or whatever the hell they call it, as they're saying that that's due to COVID that I feel like I was taken advantage of or discriminated against or feel like there are racists or that there are people that are attacking me for being LGBTQ or whatever, that I am emotionally attacked and I don't feel comfortable. And it's because of COVID, $5.8 billion from the U.S. Department of Education nationwide going to school districts all over the nation for emotional support because of COVID to help support the education of critical race theory in our public schools. You don't think it matters right now showing up to be able to vote for your school board members coming up in just a few weeks for this year on an off season. It's kind of important because they're the ones promoting to try and say that they're getting part of that $5.8 billion nationwide to promote critical race theory through saying that they're emotionally uh, that, that they need emotional support from the federal government because of COVID. That's how convoluted this argument actually is. So showing up for the elections, extremely important. Showing up to the school board and saying, I don't care if you kick me out or try to kick me out. It's not going to happen because I'm going to actually be there to take a stand and uh, make my thing happen. That's what you need to do because this is the future of the country. This is the future of your children. How important that actually is trying to stop this madness going on in the nation. All right. 316-721-8255. I want to hear from you, but let's shift gears a little bit. We sat down with Congressman Ron Estes from right here in the 4th District to say a few days ago, talking about the latest in the federal budget, the inflation rates, the federal mandates on on vaccines, all the other stuff that's going on in Washington, D.C. We sat down with him, and this is what he had to say here on Candace Talking the Voice of Reason. Congressman, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Andy? I, I'm doing great, although I am very frustrated, I have to admit. We've seen the just a week ago, we had Mitch McConnell out there in the Senate side saying if the Democrats are going to have to raise the debt ceiling, they're going to have to do it without Republican support. Less than a week later now, we have the conditional temporary raising of the debt ceiling to the end of the year. We haven't scrapped the $5 trillion and the federal budget and the infrastructure ban together. I, I'm getting frustrated. I'm, I think a lot of people are to this point as well, Congressman, that I'm okay with almost, almost defaulting on our debt and defaulting with the economy because at some point we have a credit card limit. We shouldn't spend any more. I know that you're on the Ways and Means Committee in the House, so you've seen firsthand this entire discussion. Uh, where are we at with everything, and can we get back to some rationale here? Yeah, I, I'm frustrated about this whole process too. I mean, we obviously we need to uh, maintain the good faith of the the full faith and credit of the United States and, and uh, having a dollar as a reserve currency is an important thing. But the reason we have that is because we can control and make sure that what we spend, uh, whether we raise taxes or uh, or spend less or uh, raise the debts uh, through, the com- through the country, is that we're we're maintaining that quality of the dollar as the reserve currency. And and you know where we're at now is that Democrats control the House, the Senate, and the White House, and yet they've created this new crisis because they want to continue to spend more money. And you know we you know we're we're what uh, uh, a third of the way into a new month. Uh, that starts the new fiscal year, yeah. and the Democrats still haven't passed a, an appropriations bill for this year. I mean, they uh, instead of doing that, they passed a temporary two-month spending plan, uh, which is which is a problem to go forward because you, you can't plan for that. I mean, you uh, you can't uh, schedule a training class. Uh, the military can't buy spare parts if it takes longer than two months to to make them. And in the meantime, they're they're playing with all of this. Let's raise the debt ceiling and and make Republicans be bipartisan in this, so that they can then go out and spend five trillion dollars or over five trillion dollars on on pet social projects that they're 
falsely laboring as uh, as infrastructure uh, because they know American Americans want real infrastructure. They want roads and bridges and and that. And so they're they're using this uh, smoke and mirrors and propaganda uh, discussion. Yeah, it's frustrating. I mean, we looked at the and broke down this infrastructure bill. And if it was truly just for roads, bridges and highways, which is what infrastructure actually is, it would have been covered. It would have been a three to four hundred million, a uh, 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 billion dollar plan. It would have been covered by some of the COVID spending we already had. We wouldn't have to raise taxes or do additional spending in any way, shape or form. And it would be good. And I could support something like that. But we're still looking at a one trillion dollar budget for that, along with this three and a half trillion dollar federal budget, which is concerning to me. We have Medicare, Medicare expansion. We have Social Security expansion. I mean, Congressman, we have the tax increases of looking at and having the IRS regulating any financial transaction for personal or business over $600. That's absolute insanity to me. Yeah, I mean, it, there's there's two parts of this bill that are just horrible. One is the dollar amount. Uh, you know, they, they talk about it being $3.5 trillion. Actually, it's up to $4.3 trillion now because six House committees couldn't contain themselves, and, and the Democrats wanted to spend more money than what they were charged and allowed to uh, through that process. Uh, but the, the other piece of that is just all of these provisions that they're putting in place that dictate what we do. You mentioned the... Uh, uh, basically doing a search and seizure on all of our bank account records uh, to make sure that uh, under the theory that we're all criminals and that we're all tax cheats and they're going to catch us uh, by checking $600. And, you know, the last time I looked, uh, the Constitution said that uh, uh, unreasonable search and seizure is not uh, not uh, allowed in the United States of America. And the other piece that that we're going to see as this discussion comes is that, you know, they, they started off talking about a three and a half trillion dollar bill. The way they justified three and a half trillion was they had several programs that they started, but they set them to end in three years or five years. And that way they could say, well, the 10 year cost is only three and a half trillion dollars or 4.3 trillion. But so what they'll do is they'll come back and say, okay, well, let's do a one and a half trillion or a two trillion dollar bill. And then they'll set these programs down to, well, we'll only do them for two years or one year. And, you know, as Ronald Reagan said, the only thing that lives forever is a federal government program. And we know the the pressure is going to be on to keep those and, and the spending will be right back to where it was. And we'll be worse off because of these bad policies. Yeah, it's very concerning. Now, we have uh, conditionally and temporarily raised the debt ceiling, uh, I guess, unlimited uh, for the time being until the end of the year. Is this going to be another frequent thing? I mean, as you see... Being in the Ways and Means Committee, you've seen the fact that we're not doing appropriations bills. We're just doing these massive omnibus bills. That started as a quote-unquote temporary thing under the Obama administration, and now we haven't had a federal budget really since the middle of the Obama administration since. Are we concerned about now just really now giving the federal government an unlimited platinum credit card with no limit and saying just go crazy with it? No, that, that I absolutely oppose that. I, In fact, you know, when even during the Trump administration, uh, you know, two years ago, uh, when the proposal was brought forth that the the debt ceiling uh, should be uh, temporarily suspended until July of this year, I voted against that. I mean, yeah. it, it's not an issue of whether it's a Republican president proposing this level of spending or a Democrat proposal uh, president proposing it. Is we we've got to maintain good fiscal common sense. And and that's a piece that's missing out of the spending piece. And I I I, I don't have any plans to ever support a uh, an unlimited expansion on on the debt. Uh, obviously, we do have 
we do have debts that we have to pay. We we until we get some of the problems created, and I, I'm open for that. I I'd be willing to every year vote on how much money gets into Social Security as payments, how much money goes through Medicare as payments, how much money is paid out in, in Medicaid, and trade off. I vote for an X amount of dollars of spending versus X amount of dollars of taxes and justified whether the vote says uh, raise no taxes, but that means people are going to get less money in, in payments out of the taxpayers' federal treasury. Uh, but uh, it's it's something we, we've got to get our hands around. It It's a mess up there. And, yeah. you know, we they make it so confusing that there's actually not even, we don't even use the budget to reflect spending. We create a budget. <laughs> Some years we create a budget, some years it don't, uh, but the appropriations go on whether there's a budget created or not. And so that's a, that's the, the terrible way to run the greatest country on earth. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Talking with Congressman Ron Estes from the 4th uh, Congressional District here in the state of Kansas. I mean, talking all common sense, like of actually voting on how much money is going to go into Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, all these other social programs. What a wild concept, rather than putting it in a mandatory category, letting it grow incrementally every year and not even touching it. Uh, boggles my mind. And then at the same time, we try and find scraps for the military. So that's kind of frustrating. At the same time, when you give the government a program that grows or expands or a new agency, it doesn't go away. It'll never shrink. It'll never go away. It'll never downsize itself again. We saw the U.S. job growth uh, come out earlier today talking about 194,000 jobs created last month with a unemployment rate dropping 4.8%. Uh, with some of the slowest pace of the year so far. This is just another argument, which we called this back in spring when I talked to you, that when the economy wasn't trucking along by the fall like Democrats said it was going to, that now it gives them all the opportunity to try and to expand and permanentize some of these social programs with like the child tax credit that's only supposed to go to the end of the year, some more COVID unemployment that I'm sure they're going to try and bring up again or at least expand unemployment benefits. I mean, this just gives them the arson to say the economy's not back yet. COVID's still here. We need to create some more social programs. Yeah, the 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 this terrible jobs report, uh, I mean, basically it goes back and shows that when the Democrats were trying to sell the American, the so-called American Rescue Plan, uh, they weren't honest. I mean, they said it was going to create all of these jobs uh, for America, and instead, what it's done is it's incentivized people not to work, and yeah. that's what we're seeing. Is back in July, now they started making monthly checks to people uh, for tax credits, and and it's not it's not for low income folks. It it ranges up to higher mid level and. And quasi-senior level executives also qualify to get those checks. So what what do you have? You have lots of money flowing into the economy from the taxpayer's pocket uh, to, to fund people that don't go to work. And so I, I, you, you can't expect them to go to work in, in this environment. And you know we we've seen uh we've seen the the vaccine mandates that are now forcing healthcare workers to out of the jobs and and uh people losing their jobs in in uh, uh larger manufacturing companies as well uh and and instead of this let's get the economy going uh the the Biden administration and the Democrats in general think that the more government spending they have is better because that's all they ever know is how to spend more money. And uh, what it's doing is it's generating all this inflation. Uh, we're seeing it uh, everywhere we go. In fact, um, Moody's Analytics came out with a, uh, just a, just this week, uh, saw the numbers where uh, a family making $70,000 
inflation is now forcing them to spend another $175 a month on food and fuel and housing that they didn't have to spend before the Biden's ARP plan and all this inflation started up. Yeah, that's crazy. And I'm glad you mentioned inflation. Is there any hope in sight about inflation coming back down or is it just going to get worse if we end up passing some of these monstrosity bills that are up there right now? Well, it'll it'll get horribly worse if we pass the bills you're talking about. It's going to stay bad even without passing those bills. I mean, what what uh, you can point direct correlation to when Biden's ARP plan passed and all of that additional money started coming into the economy, uh, that's when inflation cranked up in in April and May of early this year after the ARP plan passed in in early March. And and so there's a direct correlation to uh, all the money that's being spent. And I'll make the argument that it made sense a year and a half ago when COVID shut down the economy. Uh, we we had to spend some money. I mean, we we implemented the Paycheck Protection Program to help make sure skilled workers could stay with their employers. Uh, we we set up the funding to help make sure that Operation Warp Speed could be developed to to create a vaccine out there. Uh, but but since last spring and summer, since June of last year, when we we passed the first five bipartisan bills, uh, it's just been extra spending because that's what the government big government mindset is, is is they, they should spend and spend uh, without any uh, direct calculation of, of whether there's benefits. And so, you know, right now we're, you know, inflation has been going up basically year over year. Each month, it's a, a 5% gain. And the Federal Reserve is saying, well, we expect that to drop back to 2 or 3% in the next few months. The problem is it's 2% on top of the 5%. It's not like you're going to get a 3% reduction in prices. Uh, prices have been reset now, and uh, it's going to cost more people more money. And and that's that's the problem. Even, even before they start to spend this additional $5 trillion, if they're able to get that passed. The sad and crazy and delusional part about all of this is that we're, like you mentioned, dealing between a 5 to 7% inflation rate right now, just making everything more expensive and the response from the white house and the biden administration is well uh it's it's selfish for businesses to actually raise prices on their goods because they're having to pay more in taxes and things are more expensive how dare they do that and a sign of inflation according to them is a sign of a economy that's actually recovering i don't know how that makes any sense congressman because that's kind of the opposite of what's happening isn't it well it's it certainly is and it it kind of shows the the lack of knowledge, the lack of, I'll, I'll use the word ignorance because that does mean lack of knowledge. But, you know, when, when you have uh, uh, the White House and administration promoting that, it's absurd that businesses should raise taxes or, or raise prices uh, because of cost increases, whether it's from taxes or whether it's from inflation, uh, that, that they really don't understand economics. They don't understand business. And and, and some of that you, you see very much because so many of the, the Democrat whether they're elected officials or in the bureaucracy, they've never worked in the real world. Yeah. I mean, they've gone from, you know, maybe a charity, maybe a community organizer to being a staff member or or holding a government job. And their only metric is how big their budget is that they get to spend of taxpayer dollars. <laughs> and instead, they don't they don't understand that it, there's an impact for real world uh, impact on decisions that they make. And and it, inflation is not a positive thing for the economy. Inflation is a horrible thing, particularly for low and middle income folks and and anybody on a a fixed income that draws a salary or that's on a pension uh, because uh, 
so many people in in that category uh, that that are workers, uh, they end up. I mean, they get a, a, a regular set amount as their paycheck, and so much of their income uh, goes to pay the, the things that they need to live. And when you when you slap inflation five percent, two percent on top of that, uh, it just takes money out of their pocket that they don't have to feed their family. Yeah, no, that's very true. We're talking with Congressman Ron Estes from the 4th District of Kansas uh, here in my home district as well. To shift gears a little bit, but to talk about kind of the same thing, let's talk about businesses trying to recover, but these uh, vaccine mandates that are coming down. Uh, Biden tried to say any business with 100 employees or more needs to get uh, their employees vaccinated or OSHA is going to come and shut them down. They're working on this bill with OSHA right now. We've already talked about the unconstitutionality of maybe unreasonable searches and seizures of your bank account. How are they legally able to come and say, business, you didn't make everybody get this injection in your business, so the OSHA department's going to come make make sure that you're in non-compliance with the federal government and come and shut your business down, or do what Biden said is either charge them between $70,000 to $700,000 in fines? It really is a, an abuse of power uh, on the part of the administration and, and grasping at, at straws of what authority they have. And, and I, Look, I... I uh, I believe in science. I mean, I'm an engineer by background. Um, I, you know, I, I have been vaccinated, uh, and I, I chose to do that because I'm flying back and forth between Washington and, and my home in Wichita, and, and I didn't want to bring, uh, you know, get sick and bring that back to my family. And, and that was the, the choice I made that was right for, for my personal record. And, and uh, I believe the vaccines, uh, uh, the, the efficacy ends up with, the, you know, majority of people get the vaccines, you know, are, are protected from the disease. But there are other individuals who maybe they're young in their career. Maybe they have a, an immune issue. Maybe they have other health issues. Uh, maybe they have uh, religious concerns, or, or maybe they want to maybe they want to start a family. And you know, the vaccine's not been tested enough uh, for uh, some of those unique situations out there. And so, to have the federal government come down and have the Biden administration use OSHA. Which, which was set up to enforce standards and, and provide training and assistance for workers, uh, and to use that and, and use a very small slice of an emergency uh, measure authority that OSHA has to mandate that uh, employers uh, mandate vaccines on people. It, it's, it's wrong. And uh, we're, we're pushing back on that. I've introduced a legislation to actually specifically spell out that that's OSHA cannot use their emergency measures uh, for uh, for vaccines uh, or any other healthcare uh, related issues outside of the workplace. Uh, I've supported other legislation that uh, other members are promoting uh, from that standpoint. I mean, we need we need to get OSHA focused on on uh, workplace operations and ensure a healthy and and safe. Uh, working conditions for employers, which is what their standards say, and uh, and not trying to dabble into uh, into healthcare issues uh, on a private personal basis. Yeah, it's crazy. It's a it's a crazy narcissistic control freak mindset, and it's kind of scary that it's coming from the government. Because while uh, while you're encouraging individuals to get the vaccine, it's also up to that individual person. I mean, I have not gotten vaccine uh, vaccinated, and I do not plan to get vaccinated in on any way, shape, or form because I feel that with my diet, my exercise, my vitamin regimen, that I'm healthy. And if I get the virus, then I have that 98 percent uh, survivability rate of being asymptomatic, and I'm not worried about it. 
And I know a yeah. lot of people feel that way as well. Last question before we let you go. I know you're busy, and I really appreciate all the time. But with all of this madness going on right now, how troubling is it? And can we hold out until the midterms next year? I mean, I have a good feeling about the midterms. I think a lot of people are frustrated. I think we could see the tide shifting a little bit next year to be able to get some majorities and stop this. But can we hold out until then? And how troubling is it to try and fight this for the next year? Yeah, I, I'm really, really confident Republicans are going to be in the majority in the House next year. The Senate, I, I'm not making a, a prognication yet. That's a little bit closer. Uh, but y- when you think about the, the whole cycle is that uh, you know, probably by around uh, March or April of next year, uh, the, the election season will start to get into full swing, and, and there won't be many more legislative uh, boondoggles that come out of uh, somebody's great ideas out of Washington. So uh, that's really the time frame that we have to, to kind of stop some of these stupid ideas that are out there. Uh, right now, the Democrats are, are fighting amongst themselves. Uh, they're all clamoring to see how much more I can spend on my pet projects. Uh, that's their <laughs> mindset. And, and uh, as a result, they're stepping all over themselves. I think the thing about it is that we need to continue the discussion. I mean, people across the country need to continue to send message to their members, particularly Democrat members of the House of Representatives who who said that they were pro-business or said that they were, you know, from a swing district and they wanted to represent what their district uh, said and, and remind them that, uh, you know, in America, we the intention was to have limited government, and we don't need big mindset. We don't need big control programs, and we certainly don't need a debt that puts our dollar at risk of uh, no longer being the reserve currency and, and putting the, the health of the United States uh, uh, credit rating at risk. Yeah, yeah, it's a major issue. There's a lot of big stuff, and I'm glad you're up there trying to fight it. It's hard in the House of Representatives. I, I'm sure that you feel kind of like you're banging your head against the wall at times, aren't you? It really is. I mean, I, I didn't realize as much uh, until I went to D.C. how tightly controlled the, the majority has, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat, uh, in the House of Representatives. I mean, yeah. basically, you know, we're set now where, where the Speaker controls the Rules Committee, and, and they set rules for each bill that comes to the floor that, that dictates how much time you're allowed to debate it. And, and if any amendments at all are allowed to the bill, or if there are amendments, who gets to add an amendment onto the floor to even be voted on, uh, which which isn't isn't the way we understand our civics lessons and and the way the way our legislative process is supposed to work. No, no, the ever ongoing frustrating process of politics if we're going to play the special game based on who's in power. And uh, I can only imagine what it's like up there. So I give you props for doing it every single day. Congressman Ron Estes from the Fourth District of Kansas, a great friend right here in our home district, my representative here in this area. Congressman, we appreciate the time very much. Keep up the fight the best you can up there, and we'll look forward to chatting with you again here soon. All right, great. Thank you, Andy. There it is. That's Congressman Ron Estes. Always good to talk with him, and we appreciate all the time that he gave us. That was a little bit more of an extended interview, so we appreciate that. But the lot's going on in Washington, D.C. We'll get him back on the program. We also should have Senator Roger Marshall on the program in the next week or two as well. We're working with his team. He's been you know, a little busy doing his stuff up there. So the Senate duking it out on some of these uh, budgetary issues, the vaccine mandates, and more. So we'll get him on the program. Lots of stuff coming up over the next few weeks. We are getting closer to election time. For some city council seats, for some school board seats, and getting getting ready for the midterm election next year. But we have the big one coming up this year as well. We'll focus more time on that as we get closer over the next couple weeks as well. Until then, back at it on Saturday next week for Kansas Talk. Joe Pags live with the weekend coming up right around the corner here on KQAM. You can also tune in 4 p.m.
Starting on Monday again, the Voice Reads and National Broadcast of that one. We have a heck of a lot of stuff to try and talk about during that program as well. Thanks again to State Representative Patrick Penn, Congressman Ron Estes, the AARP. We'll do it again next Saturday. What do you say? Until then, be your own Voice of Reason. Do your own thing. We'll see you on the radio again on Monday and on Saturday. It's Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker KQAM.